0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis.
1: We've all had that idea that I wish we had this or I wish we had that. And sometimes it's small, sometimes it's big, but we say, I wish we had it, and then the thought goes out of our mind and and we move on. But there are people in the world that take action on that thing when they have that idea and they say, well, let me go create it. And they go and create it. And that's what our our entrepreneurial world is built on, right? We've got Shark Tank um, where people are coming up with ideas and just making it happen. And we've got one of those type of people today, someone who saw something that he thought could be successful And it turned out that he was right. It was turned out it was something that the marketplace wanted, and it's been successful for over 14 years. And so we're going to learn about the journey of that, of how do you say, I think we should do, and then actually doing it, and then seeing it to fruition, and then the uh, positives and a couple bumps in the road along the way as the business continues to go on. This is Adam Kipnis on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I appreciate everyone joining. We are uh, sponsored in part by powertexting.com, a great platform to stay in touch with your clients and your prospects. Uh, We're also on C-Suite Radio, so thank you to them for hosting the show and and helping us get more listeners across their platform. So thanks to both of them. powertexting.com does give away a free trip to one listener of every show. So we'll learn about more of that in a second. As always, Here on the Entrepreneur's MBA, we are teaching you lessons that you do not learn in school, things that you learn along the way. For me, it's been all about marketing. How do you make more money in your business? And you can get my free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at freebookfromadam.com. It's eight steps to make more money without spending anything more on marketing or advertising. It's step-by-step. It's exactly what you need if you're looking to drive more revenue to the business. So definitely go and grab that. As I said, today's guest saw something that he thought would be interesting. He did some market research and he mit- built it and it turned out to be a success. Rob Kopman, thanks for joining today. I look forward to talking to you about the story and about what you did.
0: Thanks, Adam. What would you like to know?
1: Well, first, we, we all have a different path towards starting a business. And some of us are more traditional and then we find something of need and we start a business or some people get laid off and they start a business, other people are born that way. Talking about your journey and starting your company, was it something you always knew that you were going to do or how did that come about?
0: No, it wasn't, Uh, it was kind of an accident actually. I'm an insurance broker by trade and I was getting a little tired of that business. And uh, one of my neighbors said to me, Rob, why don't you try this e-commerce stuff? Now you gotta remember this was 16, 17 years ago. So the web was fairly new and There wasn't much on there like there is today. Amazon was just a thought to people. They were selling books. And um, he said, why don't you try something? So I said, all right. And what I did was I looked around my office for something I had laying around that I could put on the web. I found uh, something I had that I'd been using for my own use. I hired some guy at a New Delhi, India for $200 to build me a website. I wrote an ad for uh, Google AdWords. Posted it up, made the thing live. And in three hours, I had a sale from New Zealand. And uh, I got lots of sales over the course of that, oh, two, three weeks before the holiday. This is for Passover. And uh, by the time it was all said and done, I had about 18 grand in revenue. And I went, oh, man, there's a business here. And that's how it started.
1: (laughs) So it's interesting. So this was just a a, a play thing for you, for lack of a better term, to just try something out.
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted to see how this e-commerce thing works. So I, I picked uh, this book I had written for my own use, and said, "Well, I'll put this up there and see how this thing, how this whole thing works." I didn't really expect to make any money.
1: And so, and and tell everyone the title of the book. And not that it, it matters, but it, it's an interesting thing because it's a very specific topic that has a very specific audience and a very specific time frame.
0: Well, it does matter because the title is. Uh, My one moment of genius in my life and it's called 30 minute Seder. And a Seder is what you do, what Jewish people do, mostly Jews, um, to celebrate the holiday of Passover, which is basically the story of Exodus from the the, the Old Testament. You know, let my people go and the the Jews were slaves unto Pharaoh in Egypt and all that. So it's that story. And then there's a few uh, prayers and some instructions and some rituals you do uh, to celebrate the holiday and the book is called a Haggadah. And so a Haggadah is like a guidebook on how to perform a Seder. And if you talk to most Jewish people, you ask them, what's your favorite Jewish holiday? And they'll tell you usually Passover. It's like a Jewish Thanksgiving. Everybody comes, scrape food, yada, yada, yada. And you say, well, what's the problem with Passover? Well, the Seder takes too long. So I thought 30 minutes Seder, that screams short. And that was the title I gave it and it took off immediately.
1: And 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 a, a, a typical Seder can is a marathon, right? It's it's yep. three, four, five, six, seven hours if you do it in the traditional way. And so you created a a fast path to doing it. So as you came up with the 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 book first, right? You you built the 30-minute Seder sort of for yourself, right?
0: Yeah, I was actually called the Kotman Family Haggadah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally cut and pasted. I bought five or six different Books like this took a scissor and, and some glue and cut out things and literally pasted it together and used it. And when I decided to put it online, of course, I had to do something. So I opened up PageMaker or some old program like that. And I made a book with clip art and, and put it out there. And, and so
1: once it was out there and you had, um, you timed it right because um, you did it right before the holiday, which is when people are thinking of it t- and it's top of mind. And you had sales right away, and you knew it was going to be a business. But the holiday is now past, right? So you had ten months to before this business could really take off. Aside from the you know that eighteen thousand dollars in sales, correct?
0: Yeah, and that's a great point. And so once yeah, here's the thing: one of my friends, his name is Bill Yannick, and I know him since I'm nine years old. He's a very talented graphic artist, <laughs> musician, and artist in general. And he was following my progress every day. He'd call me and say, how much money did you make today? How much money did you make today? How many downloads did you sell? And so, uh, because he wanted to get out of his job. And when this was all said and done, Passover was over, I thought, you know, I really need to make this book look right. I need to rewrite it, make it really good. Something that's really worth selling. No plagiarism in it. You know, something totally original. And I knew I couldn't do it by myself, especially all the graphics and the layout. So I approached Bill and I said, hey, would you like to do this with me? We can be, you know, we'll do a partnership. And he jumped on it. So if you, could, if you could see it, he drew it, took the photograph, laid it out, whatever. If you could read it, I wrote it. <laughs> so you found a partner and now you
1: had a real viable product and you got the, the $18,000 sales in year one, year two, you've got a viable product. Did anything change? from year one to year two other than the, the product itself in terms of how you marketed it, how you thought about it, the ads you
0: ran? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> the is really kind of funny because the original ad that I wrote for Google AdWords, after all these years, it still pulls the best. I'm still using it, the same ad. It's very short, to the point. I've tried, I don't know, 50 other ads, none of them work as well. And so I didn't change the advertising, although we did do some, Newspaper advertising. In fact, uh, for a two or three years, we had a one-third page color ad in the Sunday New York Sunday Times magazine. And the Times, yeah, every Sunday, you know, the magazine—it's like a fifty-thousand-dollar ad. Yep. I got it for six thousand dollars somehow, and it made us a lot of money.
1: Wow. So, so you 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 started as just an e-commerce idea, just to see how this thing works. This is fourteen years ago, right? So we're talking.
0: 2005? Yeah, I think it's closer to 16 for the, if you go by the original first one.
1: Okay, so, so 16 years ago, you do $18,000 in year one. Year two, you spend a little money and you, you have some advertisements. So you use the same general ad. What did you do in years two, three, and four? Do you remember ballpark the numbers of, of where it went back then? Because that's when the internet was really taking off. And- I do. Um,
0: I don't. You know what? I don't remember the dollar amounts, but I remember that first year we sold about 25,000 copies that alone was amazing <laughs> and here, <laughs> right here, and years later we've sold just under half a million copies and had about oh 2 million dollars in revenue
1: so this was not an expensive product you weren't selling this book for 25 bucks it was 3 4 5 dollars in most cases correct it was
0: uh 5.95 for the printed book and 16.95 if you bought or download which was just a pdf version of the book
1: All right, so so you've done two million dollars in revenue off of a guide that you had that wasn't a business, and but two million dollars is a business now, right? Now you've got to yeah. think about it differently. You've got to you're bringing money into your household. That once you start to bring money in, whether it's you know thirty, fifty, dollars hundred thousand dollars, more than that a year is what you guys have been bringing in. That becomes real money. That now you're relying upon. So, how did you really make this a business? When you start to do now, you've got accounting that you have to do, and now you need to make sure this thing works because it can't be a flash in the pan when you're making that kind of money. Well,
0: I agree. Uh, we worked pretty hard on it. You know, the actual selling season is only a couple months long, but we, in the beginning, we worked about oh six months every year on it, refining different things, making different kind of advertising, doing you know making sure the books were good. Uh, going out and selling, I would call all these little synagogue uh, gift shops and try to get them to take it. I did uh, the big New York uh, gift show um, at Jacob Javits Center in New York City a few years. That was a big, expensive proposition, but it was worth it because we got a lot of good exposure. I I had a few radio interviews and we did several press releases every year. We just did business one-on-one basically, and, and it worked.
1: That's fantastic. So, so then you, you you took something from the internet and brought it to brick and mortar, which is the exact opposite of what pretty much everyone else did at the time and, and still does today in the world. So, when 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 you were doing that, um, you know, how did you make some of those decisions? Like, how did you decide we're going to invest money in in a show, or how did you decide to to invest the money in uh, the New York Times Magazine? When things were going well online, why did you make the jump?
0: Well, we were trying to grow the business. And I remember very clearly when we decided to do the New York Times ad, we were scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I somehow got an opportunity. I called the New York Times or they approached me. Some broker approached me. I don't really remember how, but we found a remnant, which is they have a space left that they couldn't fill. And they offered it to us for, so I think it was $6,500. And so I brought it to Bill. I said, hey, I got this opportunity to do an ad in the New York Times for 6500 bucks. What do you think? That was a lot of money for us back then. And we molded it over, rolled it over from We just said, oh, let's go for it. Why not? And so we did. And uh, the next day, it wasn't painful anymore. We just oh, it's done. Okay, now so what, what now? But anyway, I uh, came out and we get orders one after the other. People wrote in, saw it in the New York Times. And so we know we made a lot of money off that ad. But some of the other things about this project are interesting, in other words, the first year we printed the books here in Phoenix and uh, the printers did a terrible job for some reason. We tried two different printers, they weren't very good. So I put it up for bid to a bigger printer and I got a bunch of bids and the lowest bid came from this printer in Italy, just outside of Milan. And we looked at each other and we went, all right, that's crazy enough, let's go. So we gave them the job and we took our wives and flew to Italy and we stayed two weeks, went and did our press checks and hung out at the apprentice for a couple of days until we were satisfied and then went on vacation. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and a lot of our decisions have been like that spur of the moment. If it sounded insane enough, we went for it.
1: And so, so you built your business off of a little bit of insanity. Yeah. I I love that. And when, when you, Continue to try different things. Cause I know you've printed in different languages and you've um, done different things. You've, you've been in stores, you've been online and the, the business kept growing and it kept being repeatable every year in whatever, January, February for an April um, holiday, you essentially fired up the business again, relaunched it, did ads, did what you needed to do. And then in April, the selling season is over. How much time did you spend in the business during those off times, thinking about strategically, thinking about advertising, thinking about everything? I could answer that question. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, pretty much by the time the season is over, Passover is usually in April. And by the time it's over, we're in the past have been just really just tired, exhausted, you know, and just just sick of it. You know, you just work on something all the time and you deal with all the customer service and sometimes you just get tired of it. So comes May, we just said, okay, we're done. (laughs) And then I wouldn't even look at it for about six months. Um, And then we'd fire it up again. And we'd spend a good six months just thinking about it here and there every few days. Sometimes we'd meet for lunch and talk about it. We'd talk on the phone, we'd email, whatever. And it was always on, just on our mind, but actual work. Uh, I would say we usually fired up the business again in October is typical of us. And so October, November, December, got all our stuff done. A lot of times we've made new websites. We've had probably six or seven websites. And then by January, because we have a wholesale uh, business as well with this, uh, they start buying middle of January. And so that's when our season starts and the public starts buying in February or March. So uh, the season's about three months long if you count wholesale and retail. In our best year, uh, we also got the product into some supermarkets, which was really great uh, because we got all the low-hanging fruit the first few years with Google AdWords and some newspapers. We advertised in a bunch of little Jewish newspapers and then we kind of hit a wall. So we said, where do do you find Jews besides banks and Chinese restaurants? (laughs) Right. And so we said, oh, supermarkets, they all eat, they all shop. So um, I went to some, I went to Kosher Fest, which is a uh, trade show for food in in New Jersey. (laughs) It's full of these Orthodox Lubavitch rabbis, you know, with the black hats and the black coats and the the curly sideburns and all that stuff. I'm as far from that as you can get. Uh, But I was there politicking and I, I got some orders. So that year we actually had our best year. We had three hundred thousand dollars in revenue off a seven dollar book. Wow, and pretty good. Yeah, that's really good, and and
1: especially in that time frame. Now we're transitioning to more people probably downloading and fewer people probably getting the hard copy and becoming a little bit more internet based. Um, how did you navigate the beginnings of the the real technology revolution that we've seen in the last you know seven eight years? where everything is now internet-based and you start to, to lose some of that um, you know, brick and mortar type or hard copy book. How'd you navigate that transition?
0: Well, I can give you the two parts to that story. The first part is, if you remember back then, about 15 years ago, they had average, uh, commercials on television and they would show the guy sitting in his robe with something with his feet up on his desk, making money on the, off the internet You know, in the early days with AOL and all that. And then they'd show the screen where there's dollar bills coming in one after the other, one after the other. Well, the first year we put this product out officially and had our download, the day before and the day of the Passover Seder, it was just like that. And we would have an order every minute for hours, one after the other. We had One year we had, oh, I think it was $11,000 in sales in one day because people waited to the last minute. They really wanted it and they had to download. They didn't have time to get the book. And over the years, yeah. uh, downloads have kind of taken over. And then I noticed lately they're diminishing. There's a couple of factors. One, um, most of these little Judaica stores that sell this Jewish knickknacks and stuff, they're all going out of business. Even a lot of synagogues going out of business and closing up their gift shops. So that kind of the part of the business is gone. We got kicked out of the supermarkets and could not get back in because they all became ultra corporate and just wouldn't even talk to me and uh, the business was declining. And uh, then a few years ago, we decided to uh, try Amazon. They had actually put our book on the website, on amazon.com, just because they found it at some big book distributor that had our book. But the problem was they always ran out of stock right at the busiest time. So we said, well, this is nuts. How could they be running out of stock the week before Passover? So I figured out their system and last year, Amazon sold about $160,000 worth of books for us. So I guess I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and our, our, our wholesale business is down to 50, 60 grand. And our retail business off our website is down to about that amount also. So the most of the money came from Amazon.
1: But you're still seeing $300,000 in sales, kind of.
0: I'm every seeing year. probably. I think this past year, we just broke 200,000. But the nice part of it is, the book's cheap, right? Most of our costs are advertising and other things. So we generally, yeah, generally, we, um, we pull out about half of what we take in. So if we, if we had 200,000 in revenue, we probably made $100,000 in profit. We're somewhere as close to that. Not bad, uh, for a, now it's like a month business because it keeps getting shorter and shorter. Amazon Prime is training everybody to wait to the last minute. So our season went from three months to three weeks.
1: <laughs> so so now you've got a very shortened time frame, but you've it seems to continue to be recurring business. And that's probably, you have, you know, Jewish man and woman get married and they have their first Seder and they forgot to call grandma and grandma says, when are you having Seder? And all of a sudden they're like, oh no, I got to buy this. I got to figure out how to do this. I don't have a Haggadah. So they go and buy it on Amazon and they download it. How long yeah. How long do you see this playing out? Obviously, it's continued on for 16 years. The, the selling season is getting shorter, but you're still selling books and you're still making money with very little um, new work that needs to be done. There's The book's been around for whatever, 5,000 years, so there's not a whole lot to change.
0: What's next? Well, I'm actually expecting our revenue from Amazon to go up next year, and I think our total revenue because of that will go up. We we may lose a little revenue off of our website too, but I think we'll make more money next year than the past year because I've got a few other marketing things tricks up my sleeve that I, I think might prove uh, fruitful. In fact, um, you know I can't remember off the top of my head what they are, but. I remember reading your book uh, the other day and I, I got some ideas from that. So I'll let you know which ones I implement and see if it makes me more money.
1: But yeah, I appreciate that. And hopefully it does. And you yeah, can get my I book will. at freebookfromadam.com.
0: Um, <laughs> I got a free book from Adam. So I, I, got, it, I got it that way.
1: <laughs> yes, I, you, you got the hard copy. And if anyone wants a hard copy, reach out to me. So you, you've had success with the business. And what, did you ever think about expansion? And making a 30-minute series out of it,
0: 30-minute um, other man. stuff that's really long? <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've tried. And it, it, Passover is a unique holiday. There's really nothing really like it. And we've looked into other things and nothing ever works. In fact, even, uh, you, like one of the things in your book you mentioned is add-ons and upsells. You know, while you're here, how about buying this? You got a hamburger? Would you like some fries with that? Would you like to supersize it? You know, and we've tried that and we've had, uh, place cards and placemats and we even made a game at one time and we've had various other products and we tried some things for Hanukkah. Nothing ever sold more than maybe 2% of our revenue. It just wasn't worth doing. For some reason, people aren't interested in that other stuff. All they want is our book. Now, here's an interesting thing. When I was, in New York doing that trade show, I'd walk around with a badge that says 30 minutes Seder on it. And I, I, I run into three kinds of people. First, I'd run into the Orthodox, right? They take eight, 10 hours to do a Passover Seder. They want to go all night. And they look at my badge and they say, 30 the heavy New York accent, you know, 30 minutes Seder. How could you have a 30 minute Seder? It should be six, eight hours. That's a, that's a shame. How could you do it 30, 30 minutes? And I look at them and I say, well, you know, It's okay, because a lot of Jewish people are moving away. And if I can bring them back in, and they want more, then I'll send them to you. He goes, all right, you're doing a good thing. And then I run into Christian people, or the non-Jews anyway, and they'd say, what's a 30-minute cedar?" And I'd explain to them, oh, it's a holiday, and it's really basically the story of Exodus. And yeah, I would give a few more words about it. And they go, oh, okay, I get it. And then I run into the Reformed Jewish people, the less religious Jewish people, kind of like myself. And they'd look at my badge and they'd say, 30 minutes Seder. Oh, oh my goodness. Where can I get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> so my biggest problem has always been exposure. If I have a room of hundred people and I give each one a 30 minute Seder, I guarantee you at least 35 to 40 of them will buy one or more. It's the problem is finding the people and showing it to them. And that I think is why Amazon is so helpful to me because we have a, big ad, a banner ad on Amazon. And people see it. They just type in Passover and up comes the ad and they see this and they go, Oh, what is this 30 minute Seder? And they look it up and they love it. So they buy it.
1: it I, I love it because I'm a, um, reformed Jewish person as well. And I grew up with long saders that, that our parents ran. And, um, and the idea of the 30 minute Seder is huge.
0: In the Jewish community, like in
1: 2019, the idea of the 30-minute Seder makes me want to have a Seder. So it's interesting that you say that you got sort of benefit versus backlash from some of the more conservative and Hasidic Jews that um, this is a hugely important holiday. And it wasn't that you were doing a bad thing. It's like you were doing a good thing when they actually asked you about it.
0: Yeah, if I could talk to them one-on-one, I always convinced them. But publicly, the more they hated it, the the better it was for business. (laughs) So I didn't want to complain about it. That was fine.
1: (laughs) So so it's interesting. I I want to pull a few lessons out of this, not just specifically about your book, but about um, just anything in general. There's always going to be detractors, people who don't like the new or don't like the different. And there's always going to be people that have been Hoping for something easier, something faster, something uh, that they can do without a whole lot of work, right? We a lot of people like easy, and you sure. created that sort of all-in-one.
0: Well, what I have is a short guilt-free seder, and that's the magic ticket. You know, I had a rabbi edit it, and it's it's okay, it's kosher so to speak, and uh, so people know they could make this short seder, and they know. They've covered all the bases. They don't have to worry that they missed anything and it still only takes half an hour. And that's the key. And the title screams short, right? So that was what made it so successful. A um, couple of things I'd like to add. Yeah, definitely. And that is, uh, you know, it's, this is, you know, the 30,000 foot view, you know, and there's all these things that you don't talk about that were just as important. And there's one thing that was just as important. And that was uh, product innovation and timing. You now, when I, put this thing out, timing was really important because there was no other Haggadahs out there advertising anywhere. They weren't in magazines, newspapers, internet, nowhere. Nobody advertised the past Silver Haggadah. And so I was the first one to do that. First one to use AdWords. First one actually to have a website dedicated to a Haggadah. I can't tell you how many people said to me, you can't make a business off of one book. (laughs) Bet me. (laughs) So I proved them wrong. Um, And then all the these Haggadahs for the years, over the years, they were really written by these uh, misogynistic old Jewish men, you know, a very male dominated kind of viewpoint. And ours was written totally gender neutral. There's no gender in it at all. And that was ahead of its time. And also we, we put it out on the regular traditional six by nine inch copy. And then we had a large print one that was eight and a half by 11. And we had to download, which at that time nobody was doing. And I know nobody was doing it because we used to get all these calls from people. How do you do that? How do you print it? How do you, do, yeah, yeah. you know, they had all these questions because nobody knew what downloading was. And even to this day, we're the only Haggadah that's available in all formats that is regular size, large print download. And I'm very proud to say we have it available in Braille. And so you could have somebody, you could have a family that's, some of the, the son or the daughter is over in Afghanistan and they're reading the, they got the download and they printed it and they're using it. And they're here in Arizona and they're reading the book. And then their cousin, uh, I happen to have a deaf cousin and, and uh, I've got a co- cousin that's blind. And so they could be reading it in Braille and uh, it could be all over the world. And the whole family could actually be doing it at the same time and reading the same book page for page. And I still don't know anybody else who can say that. So innovation is important, as well as timing. And yeah, and and timing, innovation, and just the the doing, right? When you
1: did this, you you weren't thinking about starting a business. So many entrepreneurs are thinking about the business rather than necessarily about the product, right? So they're thinking. Yeah,
0: I believe very strongly in the product. Both of us did, and my partner actually is Catholic. And so when we wrote it, I had to—I made sure that he completely understood the holiday because he didn't know anything about it. And when I, I was satisfied that he read it and he could understand the holiday, then I knew that any Jewish person could certainly understand it. And so we put it out, and we were extremely proud of it. And we thought it was the best I got it out there, and I still think it's the best I got it out there.
1: That's wonderful. So, so now, what what's next? When you're thinking, you know, five, ten years out, you you you've learned Amazon, you think you can can grow revenues this year through Amazon and what they've been able to do and and the fact that most people go to Amazon first when they're buying something versus 10 years ago when people went to Google first when they were buying something. Amazon has become the website of choice if I want to purchase something. How do you continue to make this live on? Um, because I think it can because there's going to continue to be Jewish people having satyrs. What are you thinking if you look five years out? And, and how do you stay on track? And how do you stay ahead of changes in the internet marketplace?
0: That's a great question. I'm not sure I have the answer. The only thing I could think of is I'd like to turn it from a three-month business into a three-week business, <laughs> make the same money in less time, and do something else the rest of the year. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be able to grow it that much big. No matter what I do, there's a limit to how much I can grow it. There really is a ceiling on it um the barrier to entry was low at least when I started now it's not so low but back then it was but the the ceiling was also kind of low there's only so many Jewish people out there that want a new Haggadah there's only so many of them that are reform there's only so many of them that don't already have a book and I mean there's not that huge of a population so I don't really know what the future holds we'll just keep doing the same thing and trying to innovate and make our listing a little better and, Try to get Amazon to take more books. Our, our biggest problem is getting Amazon to to take enough books. They run out every year. We've sold out, and so if I can get them to take twice as many, I'd probably double my income.
1: Interesting. So, so that problems. so that becomes the next challenge.
0: That's the next challenge. That is, that is the next challenge. Very um, cool. So
1: so last question for me before we wrap up. Okay. I want to come back to just sort of the beginning when you you decided to do something. What, if you can point to it. What made you actually do it, right? Because a lot of us may say we want to do something, but we don't actually pull the trigger. And there are doers and there are thinkers and there are dreamers. But what made you personally say, all right, I'm going to take and invest my time in actually trying this out?
0: Well, I think I was uh, really bored with the insurance business. I was desperate to find something else to do that would make me some money. So I thought, well, let me try the web and see what that's all about. It wasn't necessarily this product, but it was e-commerce. I suppose that got me interested, and I love technology, and I like things. I myself, my parents, everybody in my family has been early adopters for things, and so uh, I carry on that tradition. And I would say I was an early adopter of e-commerce. I mean, I had a shopping cart and a website and all these things when hardly anybody else did. Uh, so really, it was just I wanted to try something different, and I, I knew. Once we got through the first season, I knew there was a business here and I could grow with with my friend's help. Does that answer your question?
1: It does, it does. And I lied, I've got one more question. What (laughs) what keeps you passionate about it? Other than the money and you like the, the income stream, but you're continuing to work on it, you're continuing to find different ways, you're continuing to tinker with it. What keeps you still excited about the next year, the next season that you can go out and you do it again and you start fresh you know every year
0: you know it 's funny you asked me that because typically, for several months out of the year I, I just don 't want anything to do with it, and I think oh, i 'm getting tired of this, like to do something else, you know, and maybe i 'll sell it to my partner or whatever and i 'm on board with it, and then somebody asked me to tell, tell me the story, and I get all excited, and so I realize when i 'm discussing it, how passionate I still am about it, and I think the reason I am is because. I'm extremely proud of the product that I made. It's really different, and I've made, um, I've changed the way thousands of Jewish people around the world celebrate Passover, especially America, but all around the world. We've had, half a hundred countries buy this thing. I mean, not the country, but people in the country. And uh, I think that I've really changed uh, people's lives just for one day, for the better, and, and that that gets me excited. You know, I, I really enjoy knowing that.
1: I love that. That's a great, great way to wrap up. Rob, I really appreciate you telling the story, what you've done to change people's lives, but the fact that you still love doing it. It's so great. I really appreciate your time and telling your story today.
0: Well, thanks. And if anybody uh, wants to purchase it, they can go to www.30minuteseder.com. That's 30 dot rcom Or, of course, you can go to Amazon and buy it there with Amazon Prime if you got that. Or you can look for it in your local, maybe a Judaica shop, and Barnes & Noble carries it. But I prefer that you buy it directly from us at 30minutesater.com. That way, I make the most money. (laughs)
1: Love it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. And it's certainly true. If you have an idea and you take action on it, great things can happen. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone, for being here.
0: Thanks, Adam. Bye. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.